Hello, everyone. I am um, Claudio Mulgan, the host of the Spiritual Inspired Podcast. And uh, my uh, guest today is uh, Gabriela Casinano. Gabriela has a broad experience and knowledge in coaching, learning and development, program coordination, workshop design and facilitation, marketing and communications, including social media, engineering, business quality assurance, IT programming, writing and self-publishing. She's fluent in three languages and authored 10 books, some of which were translated in both French and Romanian languages and won international awards. She's also the founder and past president of the Immigrant Writers Association, a federally incorporated Canadian nonprofit association. Gabriela, thank you for uh, joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting for the invitation, Claudio. As I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you promote yourself mainly as a coach, facilitator. You wrote books about uh, being an introvert. But behind all these personal uh, developments, uh, there is a substrate of build up spirituality. When did you make a conscious uh, decision that the intangible has to be part of your uh, life? I think the decision found me. Uh, in 2007, uh, I was uh, just starting my uh, coaching business and I was starting to get clients. And I had a friend who uh, invited me to a workshop uh, done by someone in States. She's like, let's go to Chicago together. You'll come, you come for, for free because I pay for the ticket. You, you like what you see there. I'm like, it's too far. I'm in Toronto, Canada. So two weeks after she asked again, I'm like, it might be a sign from the universe. Let me go. So it was a two-day workshop. The first half day, uh, I'm like, I know this. I know this. I know that. After that, it started being more intensive with uh, experiential exercises with a lot of interesting knowledge. And uh, he, the guy was comparing, uh, taking a concept and he was presenting it from a spiritual perspective, from different religions, from science, uh, uh, kind of backing up with science. Uh, and it was very interesting and kind of opened up the door. And I continued to go to workshops that he organized between two, seven, 2007 and 2009. And a lot of them uh, gave me spiritual experiences. So I realized that there is something beyond what people call material or real world. And I start going deep into that. I start on meditation practice, uh, daily meditation practices. And uh, a lot of things came out of just uh, untangible world, how you call it. I don't talk much about it because I think uh, that we can incorporate the spiritual part in whatever we're doing. And I don't want to scare other clients who are not into this. <laughs> I'm kind of a bridge builder between the two worlds. That's how I consider myself. Interesting. And we are both both uh, both born in uh, Christian Orthodox uh, religion. So we'll talk later about your uh, spiritual experiences. But at this point, do you feel that the steps you took on the spiritual path and the experiences you had um, had come in contradiction with your religious uh, upbringing in any way? That's a very good question. Actually, uh, even before coming to Canada, uh, as a child, as a teenager, I have a feeling all the time that it might, might, it might be a big truth. And the religions are kind of getting something out of the truth, like a, a big truth that spread out in small uh, parts and each religion got a part. So that was my feeling about religion in general. It's not that... Uh, 
it comes in contradiction if you take just the Christian orthodoxy. It's something beyond, kind of a higher level. And the, any religion, including Christian orthodox, it's kind of part of spirituality. What I don't like, for example, the people promote each religion like uh, my religion is the best one, yours is the bad one. And if you think about all of them, none is good because you're talking just about others not good and they're talking about yours. But when you look at the bigger picture, the bigger truth, actually there is this spirituality, how I call it, or big truths that kind of encompasses all of them. There are, if you look, we are in Canada, there are so many religions uh, here we, we get in touch with. There are so many common elements, but many people are talking about what's different in my religion from yours. How many talk about what, what we have in common? And that's what I found about uh, my upbringing and the spir spirituality. They have mm. a lot in common. Indeed, and if someone, when someone starts talking about um, or making comparison between uh, these religions, as you mentioned, we get into dogma, and mm -hmm. that's not 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 um, good for personal growth, in in my opinion, uh, at least. Um, so that's why I ask this question because I have uh, I live the same conundrum. Uh, I had some uh, experiences which somehow come in contradiction with what. Uh, uh, the Christian uh, Orthodox uh, religion is uh, telling us when we grow up. So I wanted to uh, to find out your uh, perspective on that. And while I was uh, doing some uh, research on you and reading more about uh, your experiences on your uh, website, I found something very interesting, which I've never encountered before, to be honest. Um, you talk about uh, bending and 1.6 meter rebar. Uh, mm -hmm by the power of uh, love. So can you please offer us a short version of the story? Yeah, it was one of those workshops I was talking about. And uh, the exercise was, exercise was uh, two people had a um, rebar, the kind of bar that it's using, used in construction. And you have to put it here at this uh, point in your neck and the other person the same. And you have to look at the other person like you're loving that person and you have to come closer. And when you come closer, the bar, it's bending. But in my case, it took me several tries to get there. And uh, I was in a big group, four, 500 people, I guess. And we were splitting in these two pairs. And I tried with one person and she gave up. I'm like, what's going on here? I Another one uh, came, let's, let me do the exercise with you. It didn't work with that one either. The third one, a big guy, very tall uh, comparing to me came. And the first time we tried didn't work, the second time it worked. And I was kind of puzzled. So the next day uh, when uh, we were again in the big room, I raised my hand, I'm like, what's going on here? The other could do the exercise very easily and I couldn't. Why it took me 10 times or more? I didn't even count them, but it was a lot of tries. And he's like, maybe you had a big intention because you need to set up an intention before you go to the exercise. Maybe the intention was too big. Maybe you have another limiting belief that you have to go through. And like that might make sense because I had a big intention for that exercise. But coming back after the, uh, the discussion, uh, talking to those people who did the exercise with me, the first one was, I couldn't do it. You were too strong. You are pushing too strong, so I couldn't handle it. The second one was, 
I was looking into your eyes when you did the exercise and I got scared. I don't know if, if she got scared about what I was projected or what resonated with her in that exercise. And the guy, the first time he said, you push so hard that I have to back off. <laughs> and then the second time I was able to withhold. So let me, that made me realize the power that we have within. It's not about how big you are, how strong you are. It's more about the intentions that you have. It's more about uh, how you go through that exercise, how much you put yourself into it. So there are so many elements to what we see kind of facts related to a certain situation or uh, exercise. Yeah, I mean, what amazes me is that <laughs> you take this bending of the rebar for granted now. I mean, you went through that experience and if you tell anyone on the street about this potential power they have, they will disregard it completely and they will think that you are nuts. Um, and this is an exercise which I might want to do with a family member or someone else and uh, see if we can, um, you know, reach that level of, of love and, and um, soften the, the rebar. But this is quite incredible. And again, I repeat myself, I've never heard of uh, this exercise before. And it's, it's quite powerful. Yeah, uh, two things uh, to say about it. One is, uh, it is very powerful. It really helped me um, get, I gain a lot of self-confidence after that exercise. And the second one is, don't try it at home. Don't try it by yourself. Because we did it in an environment, uh, we were prepared for that exercise, we were taught how to do it, what could go wrong, what you need to do. Uh, it's a lot related to limiting beliefs, so uh, you need to know how to go around them. Because at one point when it didn't work, the workshop leader came to me, I'm like, uh, he's like, uh, you should uh, put away any limiting beliefs. I'm like, I'm not making up. It's <laughs> Don't sustain the, the effort. So... Uh, there are a lot of things going on and if you're doing at home and one thing i don't know if you i put it in the in my article uh, you don't put just the rebar on your uh, neck you put it on a um, coin first mm -hmm. so the coins that he say here but uh, it's true when you just push it without that kind of uh, feeling of unconditional love it's it's really uh, pushing harder, so you feel the pressure a lot. So I have to stop uh, at one point, and I continue after because I need to kind of uh, come back <laughs> from yes. that. So if unconditional love can bend um, rebars like strong yeah. matter, imagine what it can do to other softer parts of, of the the universe of the the fabric around our uh, reality. That's that's unbelievable. Everything is energy. Yeah. And the unconditional love is how we manifest energy. So with what you put out there, you get back. Exactly. So you, can bend, <clears throat> you heard about those people who can bend the uh, uh, tablespoons. Same idea. So that's for you right now. It's a walk in the park. <laughs> say it's working apart but it's a very good exercise exactly um going into the the next phase of what the next uh experience you also mentioned that uh when you visited egypt and machu picchu these were both transformational uh spiritual experiences for you would you be able to to share some of those with us please sure uh, i went uh, with a group of 40 people i guess uh, 40 or 45 
people in uh, uh, Egypt. And we had uh, two guides. One was uh, the same person who was uh, doing those workshops, who knew a lot about uh, spiritual, uh, he uh, knew a lot about uh, Egypt, ancient Egypt. So it was, he was really interested in uh, these uh, topics. But also he uh, hired a guide who is uh, an uh, archaeologist. He's from Egypt, an archaeologist, and he was an expert in uh, myth Egyptian mythology. So we had two kinds of guides in that um, trip. It was an amazing trip. If you think of the Nile and the temples in Egypt, we started with the first one, we, which he chose, he chose to help us open the first chakra, the root chakra, the second one to help open the second chakra, the third. So by the time you got to the pyramids, our chakras were only opened and the, the pyramid uh, on the plateau, we had a very interesting experience. The first one was we get the permission, it's not usually to get the permission to stay into between the poles of the swings. So at 5, p 5 a.m., we went all the group there and we did a powerful meditation between the poles. And the energy of the place when you, after you clear your body of all those negative energies and the uh, emotions through that journey going from one temple to another you really feel the energy of that place so uh, while i was sitting there my body was shaking and during the meditation he was guiding our meditation and my body was shaking all the time and then we got into the pyramid and the same he obtained uh, the agreement from the authorities to go into all three chambers the lower chamber, the middle chamber, and the king chamber. The lower cham chamber is associated with the unconscious mind. The middle chamber, it's the queen chamber associated with the conscious mind. And the higher chamber, it's a king chamber associated with high consciousness. So in the subconscious chamber, it's pretty dark. There are no lights there. So you're left there to do whatever <laughs> comes up. And what came up for me was, uh, I felt like it was uh, someone driving on a horse without a head coming toward me. And uh, it really it came out, out of my stomach and up and up and I had to shut out. <laughs> I guess I <laughs> scared the others, but it happened to me several times. So I was still releasing uh, with each of these uh, <laughs> shoutings. Then we went into the ch uh, second chamber. We didn't have time to stage. We just uh, went around it in the queen chamber. But the most interesting part was it was a queen. The interesting part was uh, going from queen chamber to king chamber. There is a passage, if you look on the internet on uh, the Great Pyramid, you see this passage. It has kind of a middle uh, pass and the side pass. And... Uh, if you compare to the spiritual path, it's not that you have to be on one side or on the other. The middle path is the most important. So that's the significance of that the passage from the concierge chamber to the higher chamber, the king chamber. And in the king chamber, there is just a sarcophagus there. And we are all around the room and we start chanting OM, 60 people, because there were a few others who joined. And uh, the energy was so... Uh, intense there and the person who organized the whole trip he went to Egypt before he sit in the sarcophagus for longer than he allowed us to stay he just gave us 30 seconds to each of us 
And he said that in those 30 seconds, you need to lay down, put your hands, like you see in those uh, far off uh, 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 images of when they are in the sarcophagus, and clear your mind and be open to whatever comes up. And what I found very interesting, what came up to me was very different what came up with others when I started talking to them after. For me, for example, I went there, I cleared my mind, and the, the only thought that came was, you're beautiful. I'm like, what? <laughs> I never thought about myself being beautiful. No one told me that. Uh, and it was really strange in that con context to hear that voice in my head. So I was okay. I went out uh, and each of us took turns and continued to do the home until everyone finished. The guy told us then why we were doing this. He had an out-of-body experience. He was there looking at his body while he was chanting <laughs> with all of us. Very interesting. So when we talked to you the evening uh, during the dinner, another one said, I was afraid of death. So I went there and I lay down and I quiet my mind. And I heard a voice saying, this is how it is. So quiet, so calm. And she, she was really, I get goosebumps. She was really uh, surprised because she was afraid. She was afraid of that. She didn't know what to expect. She's like, if this is this, I don't have to be afraid of it. Yes. And the third one I talked to, uh, she was... Um, ready to retire. She was a real estate agent. She was a very successful one. She was ready to retire, to go into Hawaii, uh, buy a house there and have a nice uh, rest of the life. And what she heard, that it's not, not time for retirement for you. She was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> but I give these examples to, to, to that uh, what you get from each experience is related to who you are and what level on your spiritual journey you are. Yes, and because you mentioned about fear of death, uh, mm -hmm. we usually uh, hear about uh, ego and we are ego-driven in, in our um, regular day-to-day uh, -day life. Um, so have you thought of the ego death and what will that uh, mean to you? I didn't... Uh put it in this uh, way, but uh, I think when you start having these spiritual experiences, you realize that there is something beyond you. So you're not attached to the material world so much anymore. If something happens, you know that it's just a situation. There is more than that. If you are in a difficult situation, you know that you can get help from the universe, from universal consciousness, God, whatever you call it. So uh, I don't think of ego anymore. I'm, I'm much more comfortable. I'm much more at ease with any situation. So I think it's what you call the ego death, because otherwise you might go into fights and uh, you want to argue with uh, anyone who doesn't agree with you. You really change when you go through these kind of experiences. Yes, and if you um, have the chance, let's say, to transition in peace or through a different state of uh, consciousness, then only those left behind will be upset with you because they have to deal with, you know, all the uh, loose ends and they have to take care of everything. But you will be um, peaceful, transitioned, and you don't care about anything else at that, at that point. But this is something, you know, everyone... 
um, has to understand and in fact um, rejoice in the fact that someone uh, transitioned and be happy for that person. I know there is um, a lot of um, pain because of certain circumstances, the age of the person who will uh, transition. Uh, but in the end, we also have to celebrate the life of that um, individual, again, in my opinion. Yeah, and on top of that, I will say that uh, what you're missing, actually, you're missing how you feel in the presence of that person. So when that present is no longer there, uh, you're missing that feeling. So you have to look into what that feeling means, how I can get that feeling back, even if that person is not present with me. Sometimes it might be about self-love. Sometimes it, it, it might be about something else. But if you look into this kind of uh, personal development, it tells something about you. Besides the, the fact that you need to uh, acknowledge that that, first, that person shifted in a different state. Some people say they can even uh, connect or get signs from those people. So it's just a different level of energy. That's how I consider it. It's yeah. out of uh, this kind of real world, but it still exists because energy cannot be created or just transformed. So if you're looking from this perspective, you didn't lose anything. Exactly. Yes. And as I am preparing for uh, hopefully a trip to, to Sedona next uh, month, if the universe will uh, help me do that, I would like to know if you have any uh, nudges of uh, wisdom, because you also have an experience in, in Sedona as well. Oh, I have several experiences. <laughs> <in Sedona. laughs> because uh, the last workshop I attended uh, in those cities was called Spiritual Warrior, and it was in Sedona. It was a week-long uh, workshop and with a lot of exercises and uh, teaching and uh, experiences like uh, holotropic breathwork and vision quest and a lot of writing and healing and meditation because usually we don't take the time to go through those things to kind of help ourselves. So uh, one that was uh, kind of standing out uh, for me uh, was holotropic uh, breathwork. Did you do it? No, I haven't tried I did it twice, once there and the second uh, time in another workshop. And the first one was really uh, um, important to me. The second one, I guess I didn't have too much to heal anymore because it wasn't so uh, powerful like the uh, same one. So for those who don't know what holotropic uh, breastwork is, this is a method that was developed by a, a doctor, a, a psychologist who... Uh, Right after graduation, he started looking into uh, those uh, mushrooms and other substances and how they influence the mental health. So he came up, uh, and at one point he got married, and the, his wife, uh, during the birth, she had an, uh, what he calls now a spiritual emergency. See, <laughs> spiritual emergency, because there is spiritual emergence and spiritual emergency. So in, spiritual emergency is when you go into a spiritual experience suddenly and the whole body is kind of turned uh, upside down and you don't know what to do with it and most of the doctors and psychologists don't know because they are not too much interested in the spiritual side so uh, and sorry and that could be a chakra awakening or a kundalini awakening and yes. most of uh, or some of the people I, I listen to they also mentioned that yeah 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, what he uh, did, he developed this method, the holotropic brasswork, and uh, he uh, created a method that uh, it's kind of uh, trending right now into the world. What you do, uh, you go into a room that is someone who will facilitate the whole process. Uh, it's explaining you what you need to do because you need to press uh, to do some breathing in a certain way. You lay down on a mat, yoga mat. You uh, need to start breathing the way they teach you and they put uh, certain music to uh, get in a kind of trance, semi-conscious state. And what's happening there depends on where you are on your spiritual journey, on your evolution. Because some people hang on on a lot of limiting beliefs on, or emotions or a lot of things. So their body is very stiff. So they might uh, feel a lot of pain when they go through the exercise. In my case, it was very different because I was doing this and from someone who comes from engineering and uh, quality assurance, all the tech stuff, I was very anchored in the reality when I did the exercise. But I was very open to see what's happening. And I'm like, I'm open, what's happening here? And I was so open during the exercise that at one point in that uh, breathing and listening to the music, in that semi-conscious state, I noticed like someone uh, from a, an African tribe, kind of an old man from an Af African tribe came to me dressed like uh, they dress for dances and he started dancing and showing me the moves. So my body started moving in the same way without me <laughs> directing the body to move. And I was kind of a little bit scared about that. And the rest of the session, I just noticed my body moving in the different uh, but in sync with the music. And towards the end of that exercise, before the music stopped, uh, I, it was like I was getting out of a dark tunnel and I saw the light and some faces there. And I connected with what uh, the worship leader said uh, before we started the exercise. He told us that some of us will experience, because uh, this exercise could have an effect on what you experience in this life, what you experience with the birth, or what it was before. So for me, it was the birth getting out of the womb. And uh, after the exercise, while we were doing the exercise, I put at the end of the uh, yoga mat a piece of paper and uh, pants, colored pants. And they said, when you finish the exercise, when you stop the music, turn around and um, draw whatever comes up. And for me, I felt I need to draw with both, both hands. And uh, I didn't draw something recognizable, just circles. And my hands were going like this all the time until the, I fill out the paper and the paper roll out. So I had to stop. And I went back in the room and I couldn't stop. My body was still shaking. And I started for two, three hours. I was just continuing to draw with both hands. I never was able to draw exactly with the left and the right hand. And I started writing and it was kind of pouring, the words were pouring through my head. And after that, I started writing some articles and kind of a door was open for me. And I feel that exercise, the breastword exercise helped me to open up and release a lot of things that I don't even know I have. And that kind of helped me with the rest of my journey because I became more creative and uh, that influenced my coaching and whatever I do. I use this kind of uh, exercises and concepts that I learn along the way in everything I do. Well, thank you for sharing. And if we have to look not only in uh, in 
ancient history, but in recent history, um, a lot of um, gurus and um, enlightened people talk about uh, breath work. Um, you have Yogananda, you have Will Hoff, which he will stay at minus 30 degrees based on his own breath rhythm. And he teaches other people to, to do the same. Is the uh, like Stanislav Grof is the, the scientist uh, you talk about who developed this method. So everything comes to energy and breath in the end. There are these the, the common uh, nominate, denominators on, uh, let's say, our spiritual path, if you want to to say that and we have to focus on these two elements because they are the most important on breaking down the the dams of all the stuck energy we have in our body and in your case as you mentioned you became more creative uh, writing started to to flow through and i can tell you that maybe i had the same uh, moment which could have been unconscious moment in uh, let's say 2017 when i um kind of close the circle in my in my life in, in my life and i was able to start being creative again so i i recognize what you are saying in my own life uh, pattern but again i'm not there i work on myself every single day and i i yearn for more to to go and, and learn more and have these experiences as, as much as possible talking about the you kind of close a circle mm -hmm. After I start writing, I remember that uh, in my childhood, the only two times when I got the biggest uh, mark uh, through Romanian, like English uh, in school, was when I did what now we, I know we, we call the stream of conscience, right? Uh, consciousness writing. So at th that point, I didn't know. I was so scared of writing that I was giving myself three, four hours to write a one page <laughs> because I didn't like to write. But I had two times when I just sit down and write everything from A to Z and I didn't have to correct anything. Usually I was going through it several times. So uh, going through this exercise and looking back, I was like, maybe that was on my past. But because I, uh, in at a younger age, my uh, the school and the, the environment teach me how to be more logical, the rest of my life until that point was more toward the logical side of uh, thinking. So that experience helped me kind of declutter the other parts and it kind of came back in force. That's how I see it. It was there, but I didn't know. I was not aware of it. Yes. And if you can share with us, how do you usually incorporate this um, spiritual aspect of your life into uh, your coaching and sessions with, with your clients? What, what is the, uh, the, the approach? It really depends on the topic, on the person, on what they want. So it's totally different. If there is a one-on-one -on -one session, for example, uh, I don't look just at the words of the people. I look at the energetic level, what's going on there, uh, because I have a sense of reading the energetic field. And uh, if they say something and I feel something else, I let them know. So based on that uh, differences, they become aware of something that might not be, uh, be aware before. Uh, I ask a lot of questions. I'm very curious. And uh, the questions come from not only from a coaching perspective, but also come from uh, the spiritual side, even if I don't mention it. Uh, for example, I was coaching someone. Uh, he was uh, ready to go for an interview, but, but he was scared of that uh, job interview. And I tried different things with him and nothing worked. And at one point I said, uh, do you believe there is something, a power, or uh, that is beyond us? He's like, yes, I believe. 
I'm like, what do you need to believe that whatever it is would help you during the interview? He's like, never thought of that. <laughs> so that's a spiritual uh, approach. It's not a... <laughs> Uh, career coaching or employment uh, approach. Uh, other times uh, when I uh, get people talking about something, I get them into the body um, because I'm also trained in body and mind coaching. So instead of focusing on the words, on uh, talking about the situation itself, we talk about uh, what they notice in the body when they talk about this. And with uh, that noticing, new things come uh, out from the body. So you can notice there's a tension here that it's some kind of uh, energy stuck there or an emotion stuck there. So we um, get the person through that and they get through the other side and they realize what they can do about the situations they started with. So there are so many ways. And this uh, body-centered coaching also uh, go hand in hand with some meditation practice that I did for since 2007, because what I did in my meditation practice, I focused on my uh, inner world, on how the energy flows in the body. So I became so aware of what's going on in our body and uh, how to work with the body and the energy and the emotions that I'm using this in whatever I do with individual clients. And even when I'm working with an organization, it's the same. Uh, an organization is a relationship system. And that system, is, it's a separate entity. It's an, uh, it has an energy of its own. It has a vision of its own. So uh, I help the group, the team, the organization tap into that energy to find their answer, to find solutions to whatever problems they deal with, to uh, find uh, wherever they want to go, because some of them, they know the vision or how to uh, download the vision into a strategic plan. So I combine those uh, logical and uh, Call it spiritual, call it, call it creative side uh, in, every, in everything that I'm doing. Even in my books, even if they are non-fiction books, they still have a spiritual part. And when you go to uh, into a corporation to help them, do you find that uh, people, um, you know, open up or they are still stiffed in their mentality and they, they hold back certain uh, perspectives and, uh, and ideas? How do you handle if, let's say, the, the energy is not uh, up to par? Uh, there are energy to exercises to uh, work uh, with this because the, what the, the exercises that I'm doing they come from organizational relationship systems coaching, which is the uh, <laughs> specialized type of coaching that is based uh, on um, Tao, based on system theory, based on chaos theory. So all these have this kind of energetic spiritual component to it. But the exercises are designed in a way to help people who are very realistic to open up. Because when you are in a group, you feel that tension. Just noticing the tension and pointing it out, people will notice it, even if they didn't notice before. When you ask questions what we can do about it, people will open up, come up with ideas. Even if you don't tell them, we need to fix this. Uh, we cannot continue if everyone is uh, so stubborn in their ideas. So there are exercises, techniques that we learn that I use to help them open up. And from that, because that's what coaching is, actually, it helps people open up so they come up with their own ideas based on the situation and what they want to do. So, we have, they want to, to go. so we have to learn to ask questions and how to ask questions, in fact, to for this flow of energy and information to come through. And also you have to pay attention to the energy in the room. 
Yes. You can ask questions, but if you don't pay attention to what's going on in the room, there is a disconnect there. And mm -hmm. you're the most important person to do that because they are not aware of these kind of things. They are not aware that they are a team, which is an entity. Most of the time when you introduce the team as a system, it's a separate entity. It's not just uh, you, the members. It's kind of, uh, imagine an orchestra. An orchestra is more than just the individual musicians. What comes out of it, it's totally different. If you take one musician musician out and you put another one, it's a different uh, entity. It has a different behavior. In time, the system changes, evolves, because they get along better, sure. maybe. Or yeah. So if you look at the, a team or an orchestra as a system, you need to know how to work with a system. So it's a bit more complex than just asking questions. That's what I want to say. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. You're welcome. Uh, also, these experiences unlock a different type of creativity in your case. And uh, you mentioned that uh, offline uh, painting. How is mm -hmm. that going for you? <laughs> uh, I guess life will hit me soon because I <laughs> stopped painting at one, at one point. Uh, uh, I was um, starting to go through a burnout uh, and... Um, even the burnout signs start uh, showing up. I uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to start uh, painting for a long time, but I, I didn't do uh, two courses, but I wanted to paint. So I just uh, start, uh, I bought some paint and uh, brushes and start painting, but it didn't work for me because after that holotropic uh, breastwork experience, I'm, I want to move freely. My hands want to move. So what I did with painting, Actually, I uh, I thought I want to know what's an image, what a kind of a visual image of spirituality, for example. So I put that word in my mind and I choose intuitively the colors of the paints. And I dip my fingers in the paints and that's how I'm painting. It's intuitive painting. I, stay, I put myself in a semi-conscious uh, state, kind of semi-meditation. And I paint whatever the hands want to do, and they tell me want to stop. And after that, I step back and I look and I meditate on that painting. And that's how new information comes out. So I put this in that book that I have. Um, it's called Spiritual Concepts, a Visual Representation. That's what I do is painting. Uh, call it painting, call it, <laughs> call it curiosity to see kind of a visual aspect about intangible concept that's what i do uh, i try to um, realize uh, for example masculine and feminine energy i have a painting a, a triptych with uh, this how what's the image what's the visual of that so i came up with the visuals through painting it's this kind of things i'm doing with painting and are you planning to um, to have any exhibition or is just for your own uh, way of expressing yourself? I have an exhibition at one point. In 2015, I had an exhibition with all those uh, paintings that are in the book that are from that exhibition. Then in 2016, I was telling you that I was uh, kind of getting into it. In 2016, I got into a burnout. I couldn't talk for four months. I couldn't uh, walk. I got dizziness, panic attacks, and, and anxiety, all that stuff. And actually, the spiritual component helped me get out of that. Uh, but uh, back to the painting, I uh, stopped painting because I couldn't do anymore. 
and I didn't get back to it. So that's why I was talking. If it is for me, life will give me a sign sooner or later. So I have to pay attention to that. Um, thank you. In the introduction, I mentioned that uh, you are an introvert and uh, you wrote an award-winning book on, on the subject. If there are introverts listening to us, and for sure there are introverts listening to us, what would you recommend them to, to do from a spiritual perspective in order to um, ease their anxiety or ease their way into day-to-day -day life? The first thing I will say is learn more about what introversion is, about the introvert strengths, about the introvert innate characteristics. That's how they call them. I call them strengths because when you shift them from char characteristic to strengths and when you start using them, you notice that they give you a lot of benefits. So when you start getting curious about how I can use this, you're not anymore into anxiety, reacting to the outside world, you're more proactive. At one point, I was doing a workshop, um, a workshop, a presentation about my book at the library. And at the end, uh, I had a student, a very uh, introverted student come to me. And she asked, what can I do if I want to talk to people? But I get a lot of anxiety. And I, I was feeling her uh, while she was talking. I'm like, you just need to do what you did right now. Find something you're interested in and go uh, get the answer for that. She was interested to get an answer to her question. I said, you went through that anxiety, through that fear, whatever it was, stand up and came to talk to me uh, to a stranger and ask the question. That's what you need to do as an introvert. Start with something that's meaningful to you, that you're interested in, a cause that you care about, and go in that direction. And the anxiety, you might not drop it right away, but it will be less and less and less because your comfort zone will increase. And it, you won't even notice that because you're going towards something you're really interested in. That's how yeah. I got into public speaking. Not because I wanted to be in to the workshops and teaching. It's because I had something I knew people can benefit from it. And I went to an organization. I'm like, would you like to have a workshop? I didn't do any workshop before, but I wanted to do a workshop. And what I did in that workshop I went there, one of the characteristics of introverts, they don't like to be the boss and kind of be bossy with others to direct them. So I uh, wanted to do that, uh, that workshop because I had a lot of ex uh, exercises I want to take them through to learn more about themselves. So what I did, I uh, sit them in a circle in the room and I was part of the circle. So I felt that we are collaborating. I was guiding them. I was part of the group. So that's how I put myself at ease. Instead of thinking I'm the, the leader here, here, I have to tell them what to do. I have to, I'm here, you're here. No, we are on the same page. I'm just guiding your experience and I'm opening up the discussion. So it went very well and I gained more confidence and I went to the next and the next. So it became easier in time. So in other words, and I might be wrong, so please correct me. Mm -hmm. uh, being an introvert is a feeling, something in, innate in us we, we are born with. And through practice and maybe meditation and um, um, spiritual workshops, we can diminish that feeling and feel more integrated into the day-to-day -day life. I wouldn't say that you're wrong because I don't like to say that. I will give you the perspective because I'm also certified in MBTI, Meyer-Briggs uh, Type Indicator. 
it's a test that kind of helps people and it's used 70% of the companies and uh, a lot of organizations are using it to figure out who are introverts and extroverts. And there are books and uh, scientific studies about that that say we are born not with a feeling. We are, our brain is wired differently. The pathways in the brain are different for introverts and extroverts. For extroverts, the difference, uh, the distance between stimuli and reaction is very uh, short. For introverts, uh, between the stimuli, it has to go the information to the long-term memory, through processing the information, trying to figure out how to formulate the answer. So the outcome is longer. So there's nothing wrong with one or the other. It's just we function differently. And that brings different characteristics. For example, the introverts are strategic thinkers. They can go very deep in a topic if they're interested in. So there are many, many uh, character, good characteristics for introverts. And actually, when I looked uh, in parallel, extroverts and introverts, we have complementary uh, traits, innate traits. You don't need just one. It's like in and yang. You just don't need yin or just yang. You need yes. both of them. And um, that little dot in yin and yang, it's each of us, we have a potential to uh, behave in the other way. And we learn what you say you can uh, put aside that feeling. It's not that you're putting it aside because you're still an I'm still an introvert even when I'm talking. But what I do, I developed in time, you develop skills that for an outsider looks look like extroversion. When I do a workshop and I'm so excited about uh, this, the things that I'm talking about because I do workshops only on topics I'm interested in, the people don't know, uh, think that I'm an extrovert. I'm very open and uh, you see, <laughs> I'm moving and smiling. But put me to do another workshop on the topic I'm not interested in, I will be totally different. I won't even do it, to be honest. So uh, it's a difference between how you perceive someone and how the person is. Okay. So in time, we learn more about how to function in the world. There might be moments when it's okay to uh, open up and talk to people. The, and for extroverts as well. You heard about that 10-day uh, meditation uh, retreat when they don't need to talk. I talk, someone, yeah. Yeah, I talk to with someone who is an extrovert. He's like, someone told me to go through that retreat. He's like, no, no, I won't. He finally went there and it changed his life. So extrovert need to learn a little bit more of this kind of reflection, self-reflection, introspection. Introverts need to learn the other side as well. And that's how you become a whole person. Yes. Actually, yeah. you build new skills to help you function better in the world, but they help you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Because we don't live in a vacuum. Exactly. Because we talk about uh, sacred sites, what else, uh, what other sacred sites are on your uh, bucket list maybe for this year or next? Mm -hmm. uh, I was looking, uh, when I was uh, preparing for uh, Egypt, I was looking at the uh, Mother Earth's chakras. It has chakras, this kind of uh, well-known spiritual places like Egypt, Pyramid, Plateau, uh, Machu Picchu, these are chakras of the, the Mother Earth. And there are uh, some more important, some less important. For example, uh, in Ontario, I looked and they are situated on those uh, lines. lines. Yes. <clears throat> I looked uh, if there is something like this in Ontario, close mm. to where I live, and I found petroglyphs. The uh, 
petroglyphs near Peterborough, they have petroglyphs, uh, kind of drawings in stones, carved in stones, 5,000 years old, and it's still now a sacred place. These are places that you want to visit. So you don't have to go too far if you don't have the money or don't want to. For me, I have this feeling that I want to go to Mount um, Shasta? Shasta. Shasta, yeah. Shasta in yeah. California. It's one of those uh, uh, big... Uh, Energetic points, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there are several of them. Uh, ideally, I want to go to all of them, but uh, we'll see where it goes. And if you go there, just go up north to uh, Washington State, to Mount uh, Rainier. It's also a very interesting um, energetic spot. I know from friends who live in that area. And mm. every time they go there, they have amazing experiences. So, mm. yeah. Do you work with uh, crystals or do you have any um, preferred crystal? Crystal? No, I'm not too much. I didn't, uh, because you need to learn about them, what crystal is for what, how to use it. I'm kind of drawn uh, toward them, but I don't uh, learn about which is what, when to use it, why I need to use it and all the stuff. I'm someone who um, goes a lot by intuition mm -hmm. and it's that channel that connects me with the intuition kind of decluttered a lot through all this uh, spiritual journey that I've been through. So uh, if I'm drawn to something based on my intuition, I just go to, I don't need to spend time to figure out more because I'm trusting my intuition. Nice. Um, do you have any other plans for uh, this year, like writing plans or anything else which will uh, your plans uh, will, will benefit from? I have too many plans. That's a problem with me, a creative introvert. I have so many plans that... I need to figure out which one to do first and second and third. So every day I'm waking up, I'm like, based on my life purpose, what do I need to do today? Mm -hmm. Because if I start looking at all this project, I want to write this book and that book and do this project and the other one, and I can get overwhelmed. But if I take it step by step every day, write down whatever I need to work on today and prioritize and go step by step, somehow they emerge toward the life purpose why i was meant to be on this earth so that's how i look at it and yeah, that's a good uh, very good advice so if uh, some of my viewers want to get in touch with you and uh, get your help what's the best way for for them to to reach out to you you can reach me uh, via my website my name gabrielacashinano.com or introvertsacademy.org gabriela where are social media oh yes of course that's always there um mm -hmm. We're approaching the end of the, the interview. Any final thoughts? I really encourage people to explore the spiritual side if they didn't, if they still afraid of it, because at one point I got a glimpse of it, but I was afraid of it. Uh, but approach it with some caution because you can become addicted. You can become withdraw from the world. And while you're still alive in this world, you still have a role in this world. So that's why I consider myself a bridge between the worlds because I was very much into kind of the real materialistic world. Then I went into the spiritual path and dig uh, a lot in that direction. And I realized that I cannot continue my life if I'm just going that way. So I start embracing both. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to share this with people who are maybe already started or deeper in the spiritual path because there is 
my business tendency to go deeper and deeper. There is so much to learn. More you dig, more you want to learn and experience and uh, evolve. But there are other things that uh, might need our attention. And life tells us. That's why I consider the burnout that I went through in 2016. It was a heads up call for me. It was a blessing in disguise because it kind of pushed me to shift direction. I was doing uh, workshops, uh, daily workshops. I was helping people. I was liking what I do, uh, was doing, but I was not in the right environment and was not the right way to help people for me. And it pushed me into starting to write where I can help more people without losing so much energy while doing it. So life knows what is our past. We just need to pay attention to those signals that uh, we get from it. Yes. Uh, look for your report. Trust your intuition. Be in this world, but not of this world, something like that. And uh, be present at the same time, have your connection with the, with the divine, with the, the God of your understanding, uh, and things will, will pan out uh, positively in, in your favor, for sure. Gabriela, yeah. thank you very much. You're welcome. Last word, we are spiritual beings having uh, physical, physical experience. Yes. So if you're just going to our spiritual, you don't experience a physical part. So when you're out of it, you feel like you're missing something. You're missing the playground where you could test and learn and grow. So uh, you need to embrace both. Yes. Once again, thank you very much for, for your time and for uh, sharing uh, your experiences with us. Thank you. So thank you for having me. And uh, to my viewers, thank you for uh, watching. Share it, like it, visit my um, website. And until next time, love and gratitude.